0: Welcome back to the Goodbye July podcast in part four in our year-end finale, five-part mini masterclass on investing. In part one, you learned about an A to Z nine-step roadmap to investing. In part two, you heard about five common mistakes most new investors make and what to do instead. And in part three, you learned about five different investment asset classes. Today, I'm excited to show you that you do not have to have tens of thousands of dollars to invest every single month to see change in your life. Specifically, we're going to be walking through five different examples at different starting investments and different monthly investments so that you can see how compound interest could potentially help grow your money in various scenarios. Let's jump in. Hey, my name is Jessica Tolar, and I'm obsessed with all things passive income, productivity, entrepreneurship, and building a life where you make the rules. I'm a normal girl who took a free money class, asked a corporate executive how she retired early, and used that knowledge to build a seven figure net worth, quit my nine to five, and now run an online business from countries around the world. I teach you the simple but effective secrets to building a life you adore. Think I'm special? No way if I did it, so can you. Money, mindset, life hacks, hardship, growth, and planning are all topics we discuss here. Think of this as a weekly coffee date with a close girlfriend where you talk about the finance and business knowledge it'll take to make your dreams a reality. So take a seat, get comfortable, and prepare to be challenged and cheered on while you learn. This is the Goodbye July Podcast. Are you ready to build the exact life you've imagined for yourself? Are you ready to actually take meaningful action to make your dreams a reality? To set your money up to grow on autopilot while you're out living your life? If this sounds like a goal you have for yourself, I have something you're going to want to hear about. It is my brand new relaxed investors checklist. And this is for you if you want to get started growing your money without having to constantly do things. Use this 14-point checklist to get set up with automated investing. Get set up the relaxed way, then go live your life while your money grows on autopilot in the background. No stock picking required. Grab your copy today at jessicatoller.com relax. That's jessicatoller.com R-E-L-A-X. Okay, let's get back to today's episode. All right. So before we jump in, I will do my quick segment, expats in El Salvador. But this week, I'm actually coming to you from inside my sweatshirt outside of our Airbnb in Guatemala. So like I mentioned last time, we are on Corey's birthday trip, and we actually ended up extending a few days longer than we had planned to. So I didn't bring any of my podcast equipment. So I'm literally recording this inside my sweatshirt. (laughs) But in any case, like I said, coming to you from Guatemala, we spent the last week exploring Antigua, and we're currently at Lake Atitlan, about an hour and a half away from Antigua. And it's just been an incredible trip. I think if you have listened to my episode on our drive down from Texas, we had a lot of issues at the Guatemala border. So we both had kind of a bad taste in our mouth when it came to Guatemala. But this trip has been nothing short of incredible. Antigua is an old city, kind of central Guatemala. And there's tons of just like beautiful, large, old churches and old architecture and stone walls and cobblestone streets and everything's all decorated for Christmas. And it's cold. I'm wearing, you know, sweatshirts and pants for like the first time since moving to El Salvador in Central America. And it's just been such a fun trip, fun to explore and just really putting me in the holiday spirit, which is great. And then Lake Atitlan is... Some have called it the most beautiful lake in the world, which is why we were curious to come here. And there's actually, I want to say, like four different native languages that they speak around this area. And we heard some of the guys at the hotel speaking it. And it's really, really interesting. It's not Spanish. It doesn't really sound like Spanish at all. And there's a lot of indigenous culture, I think, that still exists here. So today we are taking a boat to a bunch of different little towns around the lake and I can share more on that next week because, like I said, I think we're going to be here a few more days. So, anyway, that is what we have been up to traveling through Guatemala. We have our three dogs. It's been an adventure, as always. Super beautiful. Highly recommend it if you ever care to come to Guatemala. All right, that's it for expats in El Salvador. Let's get into today's episode. So first of all, because we are solely looking at the amount of money you put into the market and how often, we need to make sure that all other variables remain the same. So for all of the examples that follow, let's say the stock market returns at 10% across the board, which yes, this is the historic average, but it is highly unlikely to return at exactly 10% every single year consistently. But again, since we are trying to isolate the variable of that which is within your control, which is how much money you put in and how often and when you start, let's just say that every year you are getting 10% for the sole purpose of these examples. In our first example, let's say you invest $100. At 10% annual interest, after one year, you would have $110. That means you gain $10. Let's say you don't invest anything else and you just leave this money alone for another year. After two years, all other things the same, you would have $121. That means in year two, you gained $11. Notice how even though everything else remained the same, you gained $11 in year two, which was larger than the $10 you gained in year one. That is because of compound interest. Here's how it works. In year number one, you gained 10% on your original deposit of $100, which resulted in a $10 gain. In year two, you gained 10% on your original deposit of $100, which we just discussed is $10, but you also gained 10% on the gain from year one. How much did you gain in year one? you gained $10. So what is 10% of $10? It's $1. So in year number two, you get the $10 plus the $1, which is how you wound up with $11 of gain in year two. As you can see, interest is a percent. So the larger the base, the larger the return. You'll notice how this starts to add up over time and how each year, if all other variables remain the same, the growth gets larger and larger in the same amount of time. So let's continue with the example. In year one, you'd gain $10. In year two, you'd gain 11 We talked about that. Now in year three, you would gain over $12. Let's fast forward to year 10. You'd be gaining nearly $26 that year. In year 20, you'd gain over $69. In year 30, you're closing in on $200 of gains. By year 40, you're upwards of $500 in gains. And by year 50, you're at over $1,300 worth of gains. And remember, those are just the annual gains that we're talking about. I was just illustrating how the gain itself increases over time. Your investment portfolio after all those years of gains on gains is now worth over $14,500. So in this example, with all other variables remaining the same each year, you invested $100 one time at a 10% annual return, and it became $14,537. See how cool compound interest is? All right, let's go into example number two. Let's take the exact same example from before, except we are going to change one and only one thing. The amount you put in at the beginning. In this example, instead of putting in $100 at the beginning, let's say you put in $1,000. Let's see what happens. Instead of gaining $10 in year one, you would gain $100. Instead of gaining $11 in year two, you would gain $110. Instead of $12 in year three, it's $121. Fast forward to year 10, and instead of $26, you would gain $257. In year 20, instead of $69, you would see $695. In year 30, it's $1,880 instead of $188. Year 40 is $5,090 instead of 509 and by year 50, instead of the 1377 gain that you saw in example number one, you would gain $13,779 just that year. And more importantly, instead of having a portfolio that's worth $14,537, you are looking at over $145,000. So at the end of the first example, you were gaining about $1,400 per year and had a portfolio worth $14,500. At the end of the second example, in a year, you gained almost as much as the entirety of your portfolio in the first example. So your ultimate example one portfolio was worth about $14,500. And in example two, the gain you saw that last year was $13,700. And your ultimate portfolio was worth over $145,000. And the only difference was how much money you put in at the beginning, which is a beautiful thing because that is entirely within your control. Now, disclaimer, like I said, this is for illustrative purposes only. None of us know what the market is going to do and whether it will perform at, above, or below average each year. But I hope you can see the point that I'm trying to illustrate here. Example number three. Let's keep building on that last example. Like I said, the bigger the base, the bigger the percentage-based return, right? But not all of us can afford to put in a bunch of money up front So this is where consistent investing comes into play. And when I say consistent investing, I mean contributing to investments regularly, let's say each month. So let's look at an example of this. Let's see what could happen if you invested $1,000 up front and then you invested $500 per month thereafter. Again, all other variables remain the same in this example. So instead of gaining $100 in year one, you would gain $440. Instead of gaining $110 in year two, you would gain $1,000. Instead of $121 in year three, it's $2,000. Fast forward to year 10, and instead of $257, you would gain $10,000. In year 20, instead of $695, you would see $37,000. In year 30, it's $110,000 instead of $1,880. Year 40 is $307,000 instead of $5,000. And in year 50, instead of the $13,779 you saw in example two, you would gain over $841,000 just that year. And more importantly, instead of having a portfolio from example two that's worth $145,000, you're looking at $8.8 million. Now, remember, the only thing you changed from example two to example three is that instead of investing $1,000 once and doing nothing else, you invested $1,000 once up front and then kept investing $500 per month thereafter. Now, What could happen if you decided to increase your monthly investment? That brings us to example number four. So let's keep building. Let's build on to that last example. So for example number four, let's look at what could happen if you invested $1,000 up front and then instead of investing $500 per month, you invest $1,000 per month thereafter. Again, all other variables remain the same in this example. So, instead of gaining $440 in year 1, you would gain $775. Instead of gaining $1,000 in year 2, you would gain $2,000. Instead of $2,000 in year 3, it's $3,500. Fast forward to year 10, and instead of $10,000, you would gain $19,000. In year 20, instead of $37,000, you would see $73,000. In year 30, it's 217000 instead of $110,000. Year 40 is 609000 instead of 307000 And in year 50, instead of the $841,000 gain you saw, you would see $1.7 million that year in gains. And again, more importantly, instead of having a portfolio from example three that is worth $8.8 million, here in example four, you are looking at $17.6 million. Now remember, the only thing you changed from example three to example four is that you decided to increase your monthly contribution to your investments from $500 to $1,000. And you can see what a world of difference it made. All right, example number five. In the last example, I'd like to look at something different, but it is still something that's within your control, which is important when it comes to investing because there are many things that are outside of our control. So for example five, instead of how much money you put into investments, I'd like to look at when you start and stop contributing to your investments and how that could affect things. The reason this initially interested me is due to something my college finance professor said to us on the last day of school that went something like this. He said, if you invest starting now at age 20 and invest regularly until age 30 and then quit contributing entirely, you'll likely end up with more money than if you wait to start investing until you're 30 and continue contributing to your investments for the rest of your life. This really stuck with me, but I had never run the numbers on it until recently. So let's see if he was right. In this example, we are using that same 10% return we have been using all along, and all other variables are remaining the same except for the start and stop date of your contributions. So let's start with the version of you who waited. You waited until age 30 to start investing. Let's say you put an initial investment of $1,000, then an additional $1,000 per month for 50 years until you turned 80, and then you stopped. By age 40, your investment portfolio has grown to $209,000. By age 50, you're looking at $773,000. At 60, you have $2.3 million. At 70, it has grown to $6.4 million. And by 80, when you stop, you would have contributed a grand total of $600,000 of your own money and your portfolio would be worth $17.6 million. Not too shabby, right? Now, let's see what would have happened if you started investing at age 20 with an initial investment of $1,000 and deposited an additional $1,000 per month for 10 years until you turned 30, and then you never contributed to your investments again. By age 30, instead of $1,000, your investment portfolio would have grown to $209,000. At age 40, instead of a portfolio worth $209,000, your portfolio would be worth $566,000. By 50, you're looking at 1.5 million instead of 773,000. At 60, you could have 4.2 million instead of 2.3 million. At 70, instead of 6.4 million, you have 11.2 million. And at 80, instead of a portfolio worth 17.6 million, you'd have a grand total of $30.4 million almost double the previous scenario. But here's the coolest part of all. Not only do you end up with nearly double the money in the end, but instead of contributing 660000 of your own dollars in total, all you would have contributed from age 20 to 30 before stopping your contributions entirely would be 120000 That frees up your cash flow from age 30 to 80 to do whatever you want with it all other variables remaining the same, by waiting to invest, you pay over five times more for about half the results. Now look, here's the big picture. (laughs) If you did not start investing the second you graduated college, then you are like most of us. You are not alone. This is not meant to discourage you, but to encourage you to really move forward in learning about investing figuring out what makes sense for you in your life, and whether some kind of strategy to take advantage of potential gains from compound interest is something you'd like to do with your money. I hope these examples helped you understand how initial investment, regular contributions, and age of beginning can play into the amount of compound interest your investments may be able to generate. As a reminder, I am not a financial advisor and I do not know what the market is going to do. And to be frank, neither do they. (laughs) All investing has risk. Having a strategy to reduce risk, whether that's an emergency fund, diversifying your investments, and or a specific strategy tailored to your unique needs and risk tolerance is certainly something to explore. I always suggest doing your own research. And if you would like to run your own numbers, there are plenty of compound interest calculators online that you can find with a quick search. That's how I got the numbers for these examples in this episode. So don't be afraid to explore and learn. If you're feeling inspired to get serious about investing, I have resources that can help you make sure your foundation is in order before you jump in. My budget calculator guides provide a nice place for you to compare your income and your expenses to see what's left over, which is what you might be able to afford to invest. Grab my free version to get a general sense, and if you want to get serious about seeing what you might be able to afford to invest month after month, then check out my low-cost repeatable online version. That one comes with a mini training also to ensure you get set up successfully. If you are rearing to go, I also have a new investors checklist with 14 action items that will help you go from I'm ready to invest, but unsure what to do to get set up to I am officially invested. I'll link to both of these in the show notes at jessicatoller.com slash 037. Again, please don't be discouraged if you haven't started investing yet. None of us can change the past, but we can decide what we're going to do moving forward and stick with it. There's a beautiful quote I love that really applies here. So I'll leave you with that. The best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. The second best time is now. I hope this episode was helpful and I'll see you back next week for the final episode in our year-end finale five-part mini masterclass on investing. Until then, work less, live more, and keep on chasing your wildest dreams. Congratulations on finishing another episode of the Goodbye July podcast. If you want more, head over to jessicatoller.com slash podcast for show notes and any resources mentioned in today's episode. Don't forget to rate the show, hit subscribe so you never miss an episode. And if you would, share it with a friend. I believe in a world where we're all financially free, so let's help each other get there. Thanks again for tuning in, and I'll see you on the next episode of the Goodbye July podcast.